Hey guys, welcome to the Grid Podcast. My name is RJ Robinson. I'm going to be your host for this evening, afternoon, morning, whenever you're listening. This is episode number one, where I meet up with my friend Dan. We talk about live coding. No, not the live coding that you're thinking of, but a different kind of live coding. I think you're going to enjoy. Podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Grid. The Grid Podcast. It's about information. Information. It's about technology. This is the meeting point for all techies. All geeks. Geeks. The Grid. The Grid Podcast. Stay tuned. Hello, what's up? Welcome to the Grid Podcast. My name's RJ. Joining me today, all the way over from the UK, is uh, Dan Head. What's up, Dan? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Just wanted to welcome everyone to the first ever episode of the Grid Podcast. Yay! Insert audio <laughs> clapping noise. <laughs> so this is a podcast. It's basically, I wanted to not do a technical podcast because everyone seems to always want to do like technical stuff. And I think that there's a culture, other tips and tricks that can be handled that aren't actually being filled. So like productivity tips or or when you work into a new place tip so that's what the show is kind of going to be about but it's also going to have some fun topics weird stuff i found on the internet that we're going to get to later interesting guests i can find and dig up that's dan dan's our interesting guest today about me i've been coding for about mm, two years now a little over two years i uh decided that i needed a career change and i kind of started coding and developing on the side and just, I always had an interest in like HTML and CSS. And then when I started like diving into JavaScript and learning about like programming, then I, you know, started moving forward, got into Ruby. Then I went to a boot camp in uh, Boston, Massachusetts called Launch Academy. There it really like thrusted myself forward, 10 weeks intensive. But I mean, like it was a lot more than just 10 weeks. And a lot of people don't understand that there's like six months of pre-work that go into it. There's you know, it's 18 hour days of, of, of trying to cram as much information in your head as you can. And what you really learn from this experience. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're, we're there 18 hours a day. Wow. I mean, like, well, I would wake up, I, I stayed in Quincy, Massachusetts, when I was staying up there. And I would get the first train that I could like five, five, six o'clock in the morning. School did class didn't even start till like nine. And, uh, you know, I get in there at seven and I just, you know, run through as many tutorials or get caught up on any kind of work that we had to get done. And then we'd have like a 45 minute class. And then from there, we we'd basically split up into our groups and we we try to tackle today's tickets, you know, today's assignments. We didn't leave. A lot of us, a lot of us were there till like 11 o'clock at night, every single night. Wow. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty intensive. And then, and then from there, you know, after I graduated, you know, I didn't get a job right away, but you know, within three months I was, I was employed, but those three months that I, I left there, it was nothing but tutorials and building projects and, you know, pushing stuff to get and kind of really reading into deep code. Cause I didn't understand a lot of deep code before. One of the greatest things about the boot camp model is that, you know, you're in a room full of 30 something people that have the exact same mentality as you do. And that, and that's really hard to find. Even when you go to college or, or wherever you're going to go, it's really hard to find 30 people that you are like, you, you develop this bond with. And it's <laughs> like, I know that this person's probably struggling. And when you put our heads together, you know, we, we kind of, kind of tackle that problem. 
but yeah, it was, it was insane. It was insane. And then, uh, GitHub, I had a, what, 75 day streak on GitHub at one point. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was motivated. I was trying to get to a hundred and what happened was I got a job and like, I was still keeping up with it, but it, the job kind of like took over and I had to like switch over to that. So my 75 day streak kind of expired. And then later on, I cleaned up my GitHub and it, it went down to like a 24 day streak just because there was a bunch of stuff on there that I wouldn't want anyone to look at. <laughs> and then, and then, then from there, uh, you know, I had like an internship after that. I, I got hired for a big company in Philadelphia. I don't want to name names because I don't know if I'm allowed to, but, uh, yeah, so I worked for a, a huge tech company, you know, something with like 300 developers just on my in my building alone. Um, pretty far reaching, and it's and it's been really awesome. I mean, I do uh, currently. I work. I still work with a Ruby stack, but uh, we we've been venturing into Go, and we have. I build internal tools for some some of the teams, and we we build like automation and troubleshooting tools for a lot of equipment, millions of. Uh, millions of little computers that we have to keep updated. So that's that's a little bit about me. What about you, Dan? I mean, do you have any questions about boot camps or anything like that? Oh, a million. Yeah, to be honest, I I kind of I took I took boot camp to be like a few days, like a day or two or something. You know, I've been to I've been to boot camps for technology before, but I think maybe what the UK calls a boot camp is is very different to what you what you did. But yeah, no, it's been a long a long time since I've done a, an 18 hour day ever. Really, unless you count babies. Um, but yeah, so how long did you say it was altogether? Like, so the, yep. the class was 10 weeks, right? It started in August. Oh, wow. It ended in October um, of last right. year. And then, uh, but but before you go, they had this like pre-launch academy stuff. I mean, you, you really had to devote quite a few hours to getting this stuff done. And, you know, there were some yeah. people in class who I think kind of blew off the pre-work. And you could tell. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to like single anybody out, but I mean, there was some people you could be like, eh, I don't think they read the database book. Uh, I don't think they read this book. You know, it's like, well, yeah, but if, if this was a real boot camp, that'd be the guy who like dies first, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, right. He's like, he didn't really clean his weapon the right way. So, <laughs> um, oh, but yeah, it just it's intensive. Um, it, yeah, it seems intensive, and I, I, I wonder. I think that if you were the kind of person who learns well in that environment. I think it's an amazing opportunity. I I, want, I, th I think that I I am quite opposite to that. I'm, I'm my attention span is very very small, which I'll tell you about more about in a little while. Um, I just I, I wonder if I would squander the experience just by not not being you know not bringing your A game for the whole thing. It's such a long amount of time. Yeah, you definitely have to bring your A game. There's no uh, there's no phoning this in. You know, it's like if you mm -hmm. want to succeed. You got to be hungry for all the knowledge, and you got to really, really put in the put in the hours. No, kudos, man. I'm I'm super impressed. I don't think I could do it really. I I I'd die first. You know, I'm the guy with the glasses <laughs> and the cleaner's gun. Well, that full metal jacket reference. <laughs> uh, so tell me about you, Dan. Tell me about. Uh, I know you got some projects going on, and tell me about what you're doing currently. Oh. Yeah, too too many projects. It's ridiculous. It's becoming a problem. So I, I suppose history-wise, I've been programming for I think uh, nine, eight eight nine years, to six seven. What well, uh, in inverted air quotes professionally. Um, so I did. I had like a, a, a fairly 
unconventional approach uh, into becoming a programmer. So I actually did uh, design and visual arts as a degree. I had aspirations to become a graphic designer, an illustrator, something like cool. that. And uh, I sucked at it, which was an issue. Um, and then uh, fairly a fair while into the course, um, I had the opportunity to do some early flash stuff like this. This is back in 2006, 2007. Um, so I was doing bits of flash stuff and that kind of that was mostly to animate things, which led on to doing slightly more increased bits of scripting to make my life easier. And then before I knew it, the, the kind of bug had bitten and I realized I was much better at that stuff than any of the kind of flowery beret wearing uh, graphic <laughs> design stuff, which worked well in theory, but in practice wasn't great. So I did that, um, and then I ended up working for a little agency in Manchester, so my, my home city in the UK, Manchester. So I spent three, three, four years there, something like that, um, d doing a lot of early flash work. We built, we we sort of, we were there during the kind of app explosion, so we were doing a lot of app prototyping, that kind of thing. And I also started doing a lot of installation work. So they, they used to do big uh, conference install installations. So I was doing a lot of um, you know you know old school augmented reality with the square glyphs and all that that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. So that was clunky but cool. It was interesting. Um, so uh, from there, um, I started getting involved in a lot of game stuff. So while I was still there, I was running game jams in the city. They're still going, which is quite kind of nice. I don't run them anymore, but they're they're still a thing. And then the game stuff kind of led on to me working for the BBC. Uh, I'm still there now, so that I've been there three years. So initially, I joined the games team. So then, obviously, the BBC is. Uh, just ridiculously massive. I, I was for for a while. It would be I would cons consider moving to a different city to work for them, and then a few years ago they moved and set up a centre in, in Salford next to Manchester. So they basically came to me. So after banging on their door for a little while, um, I managed to get a job on the games team, making children's games, so lots of uh, Flash and JavaScript games, um, a few Unity games, that kind of thing. Right, right, um, cool. children, so lots of colourful, squishy stuff. Recently, so. Just under six months ago, um, a spot opened up in their research and development team. Um, so they've got a lab up in the highest floor of one of the buildings um, where all the really fun stuff happens. So I, a six-month spot opened as like a kind of exchange placement sort of thing. Uh, and I liked it so much that I basically changed myself to this table. What was that? <laughs> my uh <laughs> i work i ride for the first in re first aid and rescue squad and they just had an alarm i thought my phone was on silent okay. so it is not <laughs> on silent your hero alert just went off yeah i know right do, do you need to go and save someone no 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 that's uh that's for other people they uh i gotta oh, turn my phone that's off. just not a thing in the uk that's amazing <laughs> oh that's not a thing in the uk no not at all that's crazy Oh, so what yeah, you, sorry, I'm going to divert completely here. What what do you have to do when your alarm goes off? Oh, uh, normally uh, it's just, but uh, the squad is a couple of blocks down the street. So usually we respond and, you know, we can cut people out of cars, any kind of first response, like someone calls wow. 911. I don't, I don't know what it is in the UK for when you call, when you have an emergency. We just have an ambulance turn up. <laughs> <laughs> just magically shows up. Yeah, everything's free here, so it's fine, and it's a lot smaller. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have gigantic apparatus for everything. Uh, but uh, no, usually I just I'm not on duty until like later on tonight. So, and 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 for anyone who's wondering, who's listening, uh, it's morning time for me, and it's nighttime for Dan. So it's we're <laughs> we're on kind of a time hop right now. It's part of the fun, though, right? Uh, oh, totally. Okay, where was I? Oh, yeah. So um, I ended up at research and development. Um, so I'm still there now, and I am not going to leave until they pry my pass from my cold dead hands. Um, it's a lot of fun. 
and my kind of work there is um, I'm, I'm on the, the UX team, so the user experience team, um, yeah. which I know a lot of places call designers UX, um, whereas the, this team is, is user experience in a much more literal sense. So it's all sort of big interactive kind of things. Um, it's all about how people interact with technology, lots of human computer interaction studies, that kind of thing. Um, and it's quite, it's, it's compared to most development jobs, it's quite academic. So typically the work you do will be written up formally and people will submit papers and that kind of thing. So it's, it's quite cool because I, I considered going into further education, you know, doing a master's, doing a, you know, hell, even a PhD one day right. and didn't. And actually this scratches the itch a little bit. Right, right. Um, yeah, it kind of fills the, fills the gap. Yeah, um, from a tech standpoint, um, it's quite free as well. So my kind of my whole deal as a developer is um, I I have the attention span of a, a seven year old, and I tend to flip from thing to thing quite a lot, which is you know initially seemed like a stupid thing to do, but it's, it's quite cool. Um, but R and D lets me um, you know it's all about choosing the right the right tech for the right job, but at the same time, part of the deal is to interrogate new technologies, interrogate new approaches, you know, experiment. It's you know research, right, mm-hmm. um, and you know if you try something and it doesn't work and goes down in flames that's perfectly valid research so it's quite nice in that respect um but yeah i mean it's kind of um yeah so i i mean i've i've got a crippling addiction to side projects outside of my nine to five um so r&d is kind of lets me channel a bit of that interest into my day job and then i can not spend some little time sleeping which is pretty good Um, yeah because you got kids and stuff too right yeah. Um, so yeah. So part, yeah, a big part of that is um, obviously when I started out, I was just fresh out of uni and I could do what I wanted. And at my old place, it was small agency style life, and there was the odd all nighter and that kind of thing. And like very quickly, the novelty of that stuff just wears off. There's a certain bravado in all nighters and that kind of thing. You know, like you're kind of brothers in arms and doing this and getting it out the door. But at the same time, I'm I'm super not into that anymore. And a big part of that is just, well, I've got kids now and stuff. I can't be coming in at crazy o'clock in the morning every night. <laughs> yeah, so that's what that's one thing I wanted to make sure that we touched on. So you live code for, for <laughs> I guess, DJs? Is that how that goes? Yeah, so um, uh, among many things. Um, so so my, my kind of history of side projects is that I tend to, I tend to get massively interested in things and then move on very quickly. And the thing that I've been doing on on and off for the last two years or so, which is longer than normal, um, is live coding. And this is essentially, um, when I say live coding, I don't mean in the sense of live demos. The, the technique itself is live coding, all one word. Right. And um, what they'll do is I'll send you a bunch of links and things so any listeners can kind of check us out. Yeah, I've um, looked at them. They're pretty awesome. Cool. Um, so what it involves is basically um, doing exactly what it says on the tin, and that is writing code completely live, um, usually projected very, very large to create sound and visuals. Um, so in my case, I'm a visual artist, and what I tend to do is I use, I use code to create um, audio reactive visuals. So that will be for bands, um, at nightclubs, um, festivals, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, so the, it's kind of hard to explain. It's just such a ridiculous thing to, to do with code. Um, <laughs> so the idea is that um, you your code is kind of part of your visual and part of your performance. So my code will never be hidden. It's always projected onto the walls or the, sometimes the ceilings of, of spaces while people are dancing and that kind of thing. So as well as the, the shapes and colors and the patterns and whatever else, the code itself is also visible at all times, um, which is initially quite a scary thing. You know, there's got none of that. Um, you can't hide behind um, Google or sit in your house and get it right and then release it to the world after six weeks. It's yeah, kind right. of 
you are doing it now and everyone can see it. I mean, most people don't understand what it is, but it's enough to to demonstrate that you're doing it. So um, there's there's quite a lot of, um, there's sort of some unofficial, uh, what's the word? There's like a manifesto that goes along with live coding. There's kind of this unofficial ridiculous document that I'll, I'll, I'll share with you. But one of the points of it is that it's not necessarily, uh, it's not necessary for the layperson to understand everything that's happening in the code. Just mm-hmm. as you don't understand how a guitarist is doing everything in order to appreciate someone playing the guitar well, that kind of thing. It's just it's, it's just enough to make sure that someone knows that you're actually doing it and it's not pre-recorded or whatever. Right, like because um, you get those fake DJs who uh, don't even have their their turntables hooked up and they're basically uh, yeah. iPod shuffle. You know? <laughs> yeah, so um, I mean, the stuff I do, the the music tends to be live coded as well, which is you know, is it itself is an interesting thing to watch. And again, the code is always projected onto the walls behind them. So as the as this crazy techno is coming out, there you can also see their work. Um, and the, what I like about it is that it's a, as an art form, it's it's very um, it's completely at odds with the way you're supposed to work as a programmer. Mm-hmm. So obviously, those things where I I can write what I would call proper grown up code if, if I want, you know. Um, and I can do big projects. You know, my, my last project, project at the BBC um, was a year, was a, like a year and three months. You know, long. Pro- I can do long projects, mm-hmm. um, but live coding needs you to kind of reset all of your core instincts as a programmer. So um, you have to be open to being surprised and things being on fire. Um, you have to be open to be. You have to, you have to be open to. The spectators, I guess, you know, there's not, there's none of this kind of, oh, I need six hours to get this perfect and then do it. You're, you're, it warts and all, your code is in front of everybody. Um, and it's, it's quite, a, it's a liberating way to work, you know. The code isn't very complicated, really. Um, it, most of the languages are designed to be very concise and very, very easy to use. And what language um, is that? Is that JavaScript oh, or is that other? It can be, yeah. I mean, it varies. So, um, I mean, the, the big ones at the moment, so audio-wise, people use things um, like Tidal, um, which is um, Haskell underneath. Oh, it's okay. like a, a micro-language. Mm-hmm. The stuff that I use, um, I will either use occasionally JavaScript. So there's a really cool browser-based tech called Jibber, um, which is all JavaScript-based. Um, I find JavaScript a little bit clunky to write when I'm in a rush, um, so I don't perform with it too much. Um, so what I what I tend to use at the moment is a project called Cyril, um, C Y R I L Cyril. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know why it's called Cyril. Uh, so I didn't start the project, um, but it's an open source project built in Open Frameworks, which is a creative coding framework built on C plus plus. And I would I would rather eat my own hand than write C plus plus ever. <laughs> but what you what you want from a live coding environment is sort of speed and extensibility and all of that stuff. And so in that respect, it, it can't be beat. So it's probably worth clarifying that C++ powers it, but the actual language itself is a really, really simplistic kind of series of commands that sit over the top of it. So that's the stuff you actually write when you're doing it live. Um, so for example, to create a new 3D cube, you just write the word box and it will do all of the stuff. You know, So at the bottom of the stack, it's all of this OpenGL craziness. Above that, it's C++, it's still too hard. Above that, it's Open Frameworks, still too hard. And then right at the very top, at the highest possible level is just the word box, which is about as simplistic as I want when I'm doing this at three o'clock in the morning after 10 beers, you know, it's, you, you, you kind of, <laughs> you need things to be as simple as possible. Um, I mean, or, or certainly I do anyway, you do get people doing live stuff um, with really, really complicated technology. I, I, I saw a guy a long while ago, saw a screencast of him and he was messing with like uh, OpenGL vertex commands and all this other insane stuff that I don't understand live. Um, 
so but yeah I, I like to keep things simple i like to keep things quite colorful um yeah because otherwise i just yeah I, I there's nothing worse than getting confused and losing track when there's hundreds of people watching what you're doing i mean typically they're not they're dancing but still you know if you reach a reach a dead end there's no popping a browser open to look at google or any of that stuff <laughs> exactly right can't no stack overflow for the live code yeah. <laughs> that's really awesome man i'll make sure that i link all those and maybe we get some samples um, cool those are that's that's really cool might have to have you hook me up with some uh some visuals for for the background of the graphics huh that might work oh well interestingly um so this is i suppose this is kind of a plug um so I, I tend to um, record everything that I do. So one of the kind of things that I like about live coding is that it only exists in the moment. Um, so there's no, the code, I mean, you can save your work and things or your, your some environments will let you save your sessions and that kind of thing. Um, but for me, I quite like the fact that I go, I can go to a nightclub, go to a, a rave, whatever, drop a few hours of visuals and then disappear and the code doesn't exist anymore. And it all exists just in the moment at the party or at the thing. Um, but what I do do is I save the visuals. Um, so I leave a script running when I play most times. Um, it takes a HD uh, capture of the projection screen mm -hmm. every two seconds and writes it to an SSD. And what you end up with is just absolutely gigabytes and gigabytes of essentially randomly generated desktop wallpapers. Um, so I've, I've, I, I, I turn them into prints and do all sorts. Um, but I've got a Flickr album that I keep up to date with everything on. And I'm just having a look at it now. And it's... It is 10.3 gig of imagery, um, so I'm happy to share that. And, if you, and it's also I'm, I, I try not to swear too much, but all of this stuff is licensed under the "Do What the Fuck You Want" public license, and the license the license has a single clause, clause zero. You do what the fuck you want to, and that's it. So. Um, please feel free, anyone, to use any of the code, any of the resources, images. I'm a big believer in. If you love something, just let it go, man. I don't keep anything. I just I share everything. Um, but yeah, certainly I've got nearly infinite numbers of visuals from this, this thing. Um, so yeah, feel free to use it however you like. Yeah, so that was great. Definitely going to have that put up on this on the site. I'm, I'm working on a whole website and everything. It's just like, you know what I didn't know about a podcast? There is like so much work that has to go into this. Mm -hmm. I mean, like. <laughs> Like I was trying to follow some of like life hacker tutorials and stuff like, like tips and tricks. And, you know, it's not just, you know, pressing record and there's, there's a lot of like background work that goes into this and people flake out. This is actually like the third time that I've tried to set something up and actually get like a dialogue going with someone, but it gets a little tough, but it's okay. <laughs> we're, 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 I'm pushing forward. That was, that was the whole process. Um, which brings us to our next <laughs> section. Something weird that I found on the internet this week. Now, as I asked you earlier if you found something weird, because we always, you know, I think like so much of the internet just kind of goes in one ear and out the other, right? So it's like going on a long drive. You're driving. <laughs> you don't really rec recall all of the events that happened on that drive. Like it's just this, this tons of data just getting sent it's to your stream. ocular cavity. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I found weird today or not today, but this week, um, I was, you know, digging through the depths of YouTube and I found that there's this guy who has millions of views of chat roulette, like him talking to chat roulette people. And all I can think of is chat roulette is still a thing. <laughs> did he have his pants on? This, yeah, I he, chat did. Roulette no, was just he totally, he totally did. He was like, <laughs> he'd always like, 
Um, he'd always be like talking to other people. And all I can think of when he's, when he's going through this is how many, how many dick pics does he have to edit out of this YouTube video? Because it's like Pokemon. (laughs) You gotta like, this guy goes and he like, talks to these random people, records it, gets millions of views. I don't even know how that's even possible. Millions of views on YouTube. And uh, I, th- I, th- I think I get this, though. So I've seen a few accounts like this that people obsess over, and it's kind of like slow TV, you know, in, uh, I think it was Norway or one of the Scandinavian countries uh-huh. did slow TV, and they would attach, like, a, a camera to just, like, a canal boat, and nothing would happen. And people loved it because it was just a nice, consistent thing. And these channels of just people doing the same thing over and over, there's definitely something to it. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not into them, but I, I definitely get it. So I, yeah. I saw one. There was one recently that was on popped up on Reddit. Uh, it was like this old guy playing a piano. Um, and he just recorded himself every day. And we had tons and tons of views and disappeared. And everybody thought he died. And then he came back and did another video finally because he realized that people were watching. Um, there was a yeah, chat this, roulette piano guy. Something in it, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I remember the chat roulette piano guy is like they all thought he was this guy from I can't remember the name of the band, but uh, he would like he would make up songs on the spot <laughs> as as people like popped up on the screen. Uh, I'll find the link and throw it in, in the in the in the description. But <clears throat> yeah, that uh, that was that was funny. So, but that well, was the weird the- thing that I found on the internet this week. Technical difficulties. Of course, they were going to have to happen. But I just wanted to thank you guys for tuning in. Um, Dan, especially thank you for being my first guest on the podcast. This has been episode number one. Uh, Tune in next week for another exciting tale. Hey, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, why don't you shoot us a a Facebook message? We have our Facebook forward slash grid podcast. Um, You can probably search us and there will be links in the description below. So please like, comment, subscribe. I'd love to interact with you guys. If you guys are new web developers, current web developers, I think that uh, we can only benefit from helping each other. So thanks for tuning. This has been The Grid Podcast. I'm RJ Robinson. Thanks for visiting The Grid. It's been an amazing show on The Grid Podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at The Grid Podcast. See you soon on The Grid. We'll be right back.